up, everybody? It's Tommy Runs, and this is the Run, Eat, Sleep Show, episode number 88. Today, or whatever day this is, I had Erica Kemp on the show. Um, Erica is absolutely crushing it. She started off this year a little rocky. Uh, we talked about her career. We talked about this year and, and things she did and worked on and how all of a sudden it seemed like things worked out. We talked about patience. Talk about trusting the training, all that stuff that we talk about as runners. You have to trust the training. You got to trust your, you know, run your race um, at your pace and all this other stuff. And then also patience, because sometimes uh, the work that you put in today isn't going to manifest itself this training block or next one or even this year. So um, I thought this was really cool because she really kind of tapped into that side of things. We talked about diversity and running uh, with her being sometimes the one or only one or two uh, black women or people of color on start lines sometimes, uh, which is seems crazy to, to hear, but it's absolutely true. Just go back to your some of your recent races on the American side. You just don't see um, folks of color on the start lines. So hopefully that's changing. We talked about things that are happening in the world that could help that change as well. So cool episode. Really dope lady. Uh, check it out. Make sure you go follow her on Instagram. Um, and do all the things that you're supposed to do, like subscribe to this podcast, like it, share it, all that good stuff. Leave a review. Give me five stars because anything less than that is just uh, not what I'm going for here. So do the five star thing. Leave a nice little comment. uh, Give me some feedback. Talk about the guest, whatever you want to do. Love you guys. Stay running out there. Listen to this podcast. Take notes even because she was dropping 100% gems. Talk to you guys soon. Hope you liked the episode. Before we started the the recording here, you talked about something you did today, and I'd love to know a little bit more about that. And um, if we could talk about that for a second, that'd be great. Yeah. So this morning, I actually did some VO2 max testing at a local PT clinic in my neighborhood that just opened up not too long ago. And what that is, it's like, Man, how do you explain this? So you look crazy. You're basically like a lab rat. You have this like super tight mask covering your mouth and nose, and it's like strapped all the way around your head. And you basically do this test where you run on a treadmill Mm -hmm. until you can't anymore, or you feel like you like physically cannot go any faster without like passing out or like, you know, tearing a hamstring or something. So you pretty much go till exhaustion. And then somewhere between all the gadgets that are hooked up to you and like, how you're running, they tell you what your VO2 score is, Yeah. which is, I actually asked him what like the highest possible number a human can have is. And he was right. like, no one really knows. I thought it was a hundred. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he said the highest ever recorded were these like Norwegian Alpine skiers and they were like right. upper nineties, which is absolutely insane. Wow. But in theory, it's possible to be over a hundred, but I would say normal people in general range literally from like 15 to 85 so it's like a huge spectrum and it's it doesn't really matter what your number is per se Mm -hmm. i mean obviously there's categories of like superior fitness regular fitness but it's all relevant to you and your baseline so for me all i wanted to see was if my number was different than it was four years ago and it was it was like four points higher, which is great. and means like I have gotten significantly fitter in the last four years than I was when that's I a like, good sign. first got it tested. So like, that's pretty cool. That's a good sign to see that there's some progress over the last four years, you know? You'd like to hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think that's really interesting though that you, you know, that it is really uh, specific to each person and it doesn't necessarily like, oh, your number's, you know, 50 and mine's 55. So that means... I'm faster than you. Cause I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't really play out like that for each person. Um, right. So I think that's really, cause I think with like with this, you know, with all the smart watches we have or the running watches we have, it's like, Oh, my VO2 max number went up, you know, yes. you know, and that's a good sign. And I, I mean, it's not as accurate as the test that you did, but it's a good sign that that number is getting better. Um, but that right. doesn't mean that like you're slower or faster than someone with a different number. So like, it kind of take that with a grain of salt thing, kind of, right? Right. There are people with incredible numbers that will not ever beat you in a race. And there are people with incredibly low numbers that are running amazing times. So it's all Um, like relevant to you. I'd love to see you line up against those Norwegian uh, skiers. I think that they're also probably huge. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like you would it, it'd be a win unless involved skis. Can you ski? Not at all. Okay. Well, yeah, I think that they'd beat you there <laughs> for sure. I wonder like if that's the thing. Maybe all runners should start skiing to get the VO2 max up, move to Norway. Potentially. I mean, my I think we're our guess was that I mean they're up in the Alps their entire yeah. lives. So it's yeah. like they do endurance training, but they're also living so high their entire lives. It's probably similar to like the East African runners who were born at like 9,000 feet yeah. and trained there their whole lives. It's just, yeah. I was born on an Island and I grew up in New Jersey. So I was just <laughs> like built a little different. All right. Well, yeah, let's, so this is a perfect segue. Let's, let's talk about um, early life, you know? Uh, so you were born on an Island. Um, was that, that Island wasn't Staten Island, was it? It absolutely was not. <laughs> okay. What Island? No hate to Staten Island. No, yeah, um, no, yeah. I, I kind of like knew that the answer was no. So yeah, no shade to Staten Island or any other island attached to the this country. Where, what, where, what island were you born on? Um, Okinawa, Japan. My oh, parents were in the Air Force at the time. Awesome, awesome. So like, what that, what was that? Uh, what was that like? Early life, kind of. What was that whole thing like for you? I really don't know because mm -hmm. we came back to the states before I was even like a year old, so I was literally just an infant there. So like, I have no memories of Japan. Mm -hmm. It's just like a weird thing on my birth certificate and passport that just like raises a lot of eyebrows. Yeah, that's cool though. And so, what's what is your like? What what's your heritage? What what's your background? Like, what are your parents? Um, my parent, my dad is from Atlanta, and. Mm -hmm that entire side of the family's down there. And then my mom's from West Virginia. Okay. So, you know, very different parts of the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, different kind of sort of, but de definitely hot weather. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then, so when did you, when did like running become a thing for you? Like, was it uh, middle school, high school, much earlier than that? Um, high school, I didn't do any sort of running in middle school. I did soccer, lacrosse. I did basketball once, mm -hmm. um, was not very good at it. But I thought I was going to continue on doing soccer and lacrosse in high school. And then soccer's in the fall in New Jersey. And my freshman soccer coach also happened to be the girls track coach. And mm -hmm. he just saw me running during preseason and throughout the season and thought I could be really good at it and talked me into trying out for indoor track my freshman year. Mm -hmm. And the rest was kind of history from there. What was like, what was the, um, I mean, you obviously enjoyed soccer. Um, but what was the, what was the thing that kind of got you to say like, oh, I like this more or different or better? Um, I guess how good I was at it. So it's <laughs> as like, much oh, yeah. as I love soccer, I was yeah. like on the smaller side, especially cause I went to like a large school. So we were in like a pretty competitive division. So like, as you get older and you get closer to like the top girls are probably going like D1 to play soccer. Like I was just little small and it's not like I had the skills to make up for my size and mm -hmm. I just naturally seemed to have a much better talent on the track so it just kind of like was a natural thing yeah well that's cool that is I think that's like a lot of the times that's what happens like you find something like oh I'm actually good at this I mean yeah. no one goes like wow I really suck at this um I'm gonna change everything and go for it you know <laughs> yeah. um I think that's that type of weird stuff happens like later in life like midlife crisis you know um, yeah. so like, what was, um, so when you, when you got into it, I mean, you were in a bigger school. So was that, was the track and field, like, was that a, um, was, was that a competitive school as well? I mean, was it competitive in that field as well? I would say so. Um, my school wasn't like known for track, but it is New Jersey and there's been a lot of great athletes, especially in track and field that come out of the state of New Jersey. Like Olivia Baker was, I think Olivia's one or two years below me, but obviously incredible. English Gardner was literally in our division. So, I mean, I wasn't a sprinter, but I got to watch English Gardner in high school, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was such a chill start to the whole sport. My very first track meet indoors, I didn't have spikes because why would I own spikes? I only own cleats and you can't wear those on a track. So I run my first race, which was a 200 in my like trainers. Mm -hmm. And then my coach like wanted to put me in the four by four. And he's like, I think you'll run faster if you wear spikes. And I was like, I don't even know what those are. Yeah. So he has this like mystery bag of spare equipment. And all he had was like a men's size, like six. And mm -hmm. like, I'm a men's four. 
So oh, he no. gives me these men's size six bikes and they're sprinter spikes. And I ran my first 400 in and men's sprinter spikes. And just loved it. <laughs> loved every bit it of it. It was wild. I didn't realize that like your spikes were supposed to fit and they made distant spikes. So once yeah. we figured that part out, it got like significantly better. Okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I, I could feel like two sizes up on some, on some spikes. is <laughs> seems like a bit much, you know, it seems like it'd be a little it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when you said mystery bag, all I immediately went to like Mary Poppins like bag where he's just pulling out random stuff like field hockey sticks. And then he finds these, these spikes. Oh, I mean, you have like spikes, you have like loose shoes, socks, batons, just like Brand things you might need, but also like things that ne didn't necessarily have like go together. Right. Cones, but it was in there. Yeah. 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 Random stuff. Um, and then so like, what was that? I was like really interested in, I mean, because I started running much later in life, um, like four years ago. Um, nice. But um so when did like as i always like to ask like with that transition from if you started in high school like things are going well and you, you had you know some success there what was it like switching from high school to college like you know going from a smaller type of vibe to a bigger situation yeah so i ended up going to nc state and mm -hmm. when coach hennis and coach geiger came up to visit in new jersey my senior year of high school coach geiger came up to me and told me one, I couldn't wear my Nike shoes anymore because it's an Adidas school. And I was like, okay. And then he also said I had to run cross country because I just didn't do it in high school. It didn't yeah. appeal to me in any way. And he was like, we're recruiting you for like distance running. You have to be on the cross country team. Yeah. So my and cross country's in the fall. So it was the first thing I did when I got to college. And that was a steep learning curve to say the but least. What was the, what was the, I mean, obviously the distance and then, but was it the training that was the biggest difference for you or what, what, what things stand out to you still? All of it. Um, definitely the training because I just really didn't do much in high school. Like yeah. we did the workouts at practice, but as far as like running all these like miles in between yeah. and like running every day, I just didn't do it. Yeah. And if we didn't have a meet on the weekend, I just didn't run for two days. And like, I thought that was pretty normal. So I was probably, if I had to guess, averaging like 20 or 30 miles a week. Yeah. And then you get to college and you actually have like a training plan and you're supposed to run six days a week. Yeah. And it was just a lot more structured and a lot more running. Yeah. Um, I think I handled it pretty a lot better than I would have thought, considering right. I was doing almost double what I was used to. And then the whole like running on grass thing was mm. crazy. So like yeah. that took a second to adjust to but it went well Lot, lots of sore ankles right yeah yeah so like what was the so what, what did you like kind of learn about did you when you started when you kind of got used to that longer the, the more miles per week was that something that you really like that you found that you thrived in that you were that you liked and what was it about the the more miles that you kind of stayed with because you i guess you could have said like ah, i really want the track like what what, what helped you there I think um, I saw a lot more like success with longer stuff without like I would not say I gravitated towards the longer things, workouts or races because I enjoyed them more. Okay, okay, yeah. I would say they're inherently less fun to me, but physically they just came a lot easier. And mm -hmm. I just realized like I could hold these like not super, super crazy fast paces for a very long time without really feeling that bad so that was just like a lot of positive like physical reinforcement seeing that like i feel like i've barely scratched the surface and i'm already seeing success at these distances so mm -hmm. that kind of made it a lot easier to just kind of continue on that path and then so like just continuing down like to when you when you graduated college and then or university and then you went to um was it you went directly from college to team ba yep Okay. So like, what was that like a lot? As I've heard you say that you were doing, you know, as when you graduated college, you were doing like 50 miles a week or so. Um, what was that transition like from, uh, from that field to like the pro vibe? Was it a big jump, you know, to, in mileage or how did that work out with your coaches then? It worked out really well. My first coach out of college here in Boston was actually Ricardo Santos, who's the head coach at Stanford now. Mm -hmm. And we, I feel like we did a really good job of um, 
we focused more, I would say, on like the quality of the work we were doing versus like the volume of it. So I had only been running 50 or so, maybe even like 55, 60 towards like my fifth year. But still, that's like pretty low volume for like a professional distance runner. So my first year out of college, instead of like bumping me up to like 80 miles a week, we decided to stay like, oh, let's do like 65, maybe even 70 sometimes and just make sure that what we're doing is like quality. Mm -hmm. And it like just so happened that a lot of his workouts were pretty similar structurally to what I'd done in college. So it was just like a couple extra miles here and there as far as the workouts go. So it seemed like a pretty smooth transition. And I mean, and I, cause I think that, that, that takes a lot of trust though, um, from on his side, but then yours as well too. Cause I mean, it's a lot of pressure, I would assume. I mean, I haven't turned pro just yet, but like, it seems like it's a lot of pressure from going, you know, from obviously the high, the stakes are high in college. I mean, cause you want to do well and compete and all that. But then now all of a sudden as a pro, you have like this different set of, of expectations and, um, inner and external, um, interior and external, um, internal interior that's weird uh (laughs) internal and external like pressures um but that seems like there's a lot of trust both both ways to to stick with some something like where you were um kind of meet you where you were and still do well um could you talk to me too about like how the trust in the program and trust in the coach uh because people listening may not have a coach per se but they'll have like a training plan or structure um can you talk to me about how trust how important trust is in that process to the success I think it's pretty key. It's definitely one of like the top three things I would say to like having a successful training plan or training block or whatever it is you're working towards. And I mean, everyone struggles with questioning things here and there, whether it's just like how you're feeling or maybe your body's not responding, but you do have to give it a fair shot. So even if you're having doubts or having second thoughts, you got to see the plan through. Which, like, isn't always the easiest thing to do, but whatever plan you're doing, you have to do that plan because you're gonna, it just gets sticky when you start mixing in plans. And you also, if it doesn't go well, you can't figure out what went wrong because you're like, well, it's not going right. And it's like, well, you mixed plan A, B, and C together. So we don't know if it was A, B, or C that's making you feel bad or like keeping you from achieving your goals. So, like, even if you don't love it, you got to see it through. And then after that, you can reevaluate. But trusting in whatever you're doing in that moment is also going to help you get through those hard workouts. Because if you start doing a workout, and then it starts getting really hard. And those negative thoughts creep in where you're like, Oh, I'm getting tired. But then you also have that, like, why am I doing this? Like the odds that it's just not going to end well on that day, and you're not going to get the best out of yourself are pretty high. But if you believe in it, even when it gets really hard and you're really tired, you're like, okay, but this is going to get me to my goal. So I just have to do what I'm supposed to do today. And could you lean into like the patient side of it too? I mean, you got to trust the program, but then the patience to know that, you know, because it's not just one training block doesn't, you know, you may have a, a big jump in success. Like that's, that can happen. But then there's also these moments where it takes four or five, six, whatever training blocks or segments um, to see, to start really seeing like the bigger jumps that you'd like to. Yeah. I mean, I've had periods like in all of my events, but I think it's really easy for me to look at like my 5k. Mm -hmm. I PR'd a ton my junior, my sophomore and junior year in college, and then didn't PR again until for like three years until Mm -hmm. I graduated. I still, I competed really well and I improved in other things. Like I've improved every year, but that doesn't mean I've had a PR every year. Mm -hmm. And I think like, that's also something to keep in mind just because you're not running a personal best doesn't mean you're not getting better. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that really helps with like sticking to the process and staying patient. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, sometimes you're just like not going to see like a concrete personal best or like a better finish at the same race, but that doesn't mean you're not also getting better. But then that day will come. It might take three months. It might take three years. Mm-hmm. But if you continue on the same path, it will come. Yeah. And I think that like that's really cool to say. I mean, because there's so many um, as a amateur runner, there's like 
the PR or PB thing is like it's it's a real thing. Like people want to PR and every time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, <laughs> Which is you know, wanna, very, you know, very tough to do. Yeah. Like, I mean, in the beginning, yeah, things like you you obviously are getting stronger with consistency and you know, in the training. But then there's a point where like you know, it's, it's really unrealistic to want or to chase PRs every time you go out there. And like, I'm very much so, um, uh, I'm talking about me right here. I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about me, but like, I love that you said that. Cause it just takes time to, to get, to get better. Um, and realizing that there's other parts that may be, that you may have huge jumps in that are actually probably more important than that PR in that race. Um, what, what are like some races that you, that recently that maybe you didn't PR and maybe you didn't do what you wanted to do in the race, but you had this, this big takeaway, like this was exactly what I needed to have happen at the moment. Um, Oh, that's a good one, but also kind of a bad one. Cause I PR yeah. in my last two races. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Forget those two, but like, you know, um, leading up, I mean, that, yeah, you, yeah. Raced, you raced quite a bit this year. So, I mean, it's like, and not everyone was a first and second. Um, yeah. or, you know, um, I would say, Probably the New York Mini 10K mm. back in June sticks out a lot to me because that was my might have been my first race back after like a long period of like I got COVID and then I got hurt very early in the year. And then it literally took me like six months to get back into like any sort of form where I was like even remotely close to confident like getting on a starting line. And like I knew I wasn't in like PR shape and I it's a very competitive field. So you're just kind of like throwing yourself to the wolves, but it's such a fun event. It was a 50th anniversary and like had so many friends running it. I still wanted to like do it and just kind of like see where we were at. So that one was really tough just to like get back on the starting line, knowing you're not in the best shape you could be. But I also went into it hoping to take away something because I needed literally anything to like yeah. get me through the next training block and like all hope is not lost for this year. Yeah. And I ended up running, they did design the course a little fast, but I ended up running like maybe 20 seconds off of my road 10 KPR at the time, which was right. like, I thought I would be two minutes off. So even though it wasn't a PR, it was such a good benchmark for me because I was like, okay, I did not PR today. And I felt like I was in really bad shape going in mm -hmm. and then seeing that I was actually very close to where I'd hoped to be was awesome. But like place wise, I was 20th. Yeah. So like nothing to write home about, but at the same time, I was really happy with how I competed. Yeah. So when I went back and reflected on the race, I had a really strong second half. I didn't fade on the hills. I pushed myself at every hill. I never gave up like all those little things are like what I fell back on when I knew I was not going to PR that day and I was not going to win. <laughs> no, that's, I think that's so, that's so cool because like, there's, I'll just, I'm just going to talk about me. I mean, I keep saying like, Oh, you know, amateur, <laughs> it's just me. Um, you know, like it's just tough to, uh, you know, in, in the moment it's really tough. Um, so like, that's one, that's another question I'll ask after, but um, you know, after you like have, a mildly disappointing race or you had your expectations a little different or set up a little differently for the race, maybe more aggressive than they should have. It's really tough sometimes to like, look at that and say, um, okay, the second half I didn't fade, you know, fade like I, you know, how maybe I thought I would have based on my fitness or something like all these, the little things that you can take away that will help you in the next training block will help you in the next race, you know, mm -hmm. confidence wise or, you know, mindset wise. Um, but so I think that's really excellent that it's like, even at your level, it's like, hey, you know, uh, there's some few, there's a bunch of things here that went well, and mm -hmm. I can move forward in my training knowing that these things happen and, and feel more confident going forward. But like in the moment, how do you, um, what do you, what do you think about in those moments where like it is tougher than you than you wanted it to be, or um, you you know that you're not positioned where you need to be at this like where you where you envision you'd want to be during a race. Like, how do you get over those little hurdles, and what things do you latch on to to help you keep going and excel in those moments? In those moments, I I think a lot of people talk about like breaking the race into segments, and mm -hmm. yes, like that's a great strategy, especially like beforehand. But I literally do it during the race, especially when it starts to get hard, because there's always like 
you're wearing your watch. I don't usually look at my watch, but there's always like mile markers and things like that, or like geographic points on the course. And when it starts to get hard or like you're getting passed by a bunch of people, I just choose a segment, like whether it's this short incline, whether it's the next 800 meters, because in my head, I'm like 800 meters run hard for two minutes, Mm -hmm. like do what you can to like get back on track for the next two minutes. And then like, we'll reevaluate. But I like go to telling myself like one hard minute, two hard minutes. And then, cause that's just a lot easier to swallow than, oh, we have three miles left. Oh my God. But if you take it in like two minute segments, you can trick yourself into running hard for two minutes. Yeah. And then when your two minutes are up and you're not dead or passed out, you're like, yeah. oh, I could do another two minutes. So I just break it down to like very easy bite-sized chunks. No, that that's yeah, when you said that, like it's because if you're, I've just, I ran the New York City Marathon and mm-hmm. um, that was a tough day. It was, was a very tough day. A little warmer than, you know, people would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's, it, there's so many moments where in, in running, even a lot in training, long run, whatever, where you're just like, yo, I got 10 more miles or, yo, I got like three more miles at this. Like, I don't even know, mm-hmm. I don't even know how I made it the last half mile. I can't do the rest of these, you know? Yeah. Um, and to hear that, like, that professionals have like these same thoughts, it seems crazy. You know, it's like, there's no way you guys are just because you guys, you all look so good out there. Like, it's just so smooth and Practice. fluid. But you guys are going <laughs> nuts in, inside, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, we're going but, through it. I promise. We're all like three miles in. Like, why did we sign up for this? <laughs> I mean, on, on TV, it looks so great. I mean, the mm-hmm. commentators, you know, it's like everything looks perfect. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, and but just to know that you guys are like screaming inside, you know, I oh, saw yeah. this one. I saw this one. Um, it's random, but I think it's like a TikTok or like an Instagram, like where a kid was finishing, uh, like he was coming through like the finishing shoot of like a of a cross country race, mm-hmm. and everybody's cheering. And he just yells out like, "I'm dying inside!" You know, it was just yeah. like I mean, he did well, I think, but it was just funny. He's saying like, what we're thinking. Yeah, exactly. Like he just voiced out loud like what we all are thinking in these races, um, and so. Mark Carroll, like Mark Carroll is your, is your, your coach now? Yes. Okay. So how is like, how, like, I know that you've had a few different coaches, obviously like, you know, high, you know, high school, college, and then, a, you know, a few since coming on yep. to BAA. Right. So like, what about like this year's gone, gone stellar, you know, in, in my opinion, um, for you. For the last um, couple of months. Okay. Last couple of months. Okay. Um, so what's, what the, what is the last couple of months look like and how has like your work with Mark, um, and BAA played into this last couple of months? Yeah. So like I mentioned, the first seven or eight months of the year was just like a struggle to climb back to mm-hmm. climb that fitness mountain. I didn't, it didn't feel like I should have fallen as far as I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not a hundred percent sure like why it was so hard to like get back in shape. Cause I really didn't miss that much time, but it was like just enough to like throw off my rhythm and throw off my stride and six minute pace felt super hard for me for months, which is nowhere near what I need to be running to like be competitive in my sport. But we just kind of had to work through that and be patient. And every time we kind of like truly ran into a roadblock where it's like, this just like is not working. um, We just kind of tried something else and I really felt a change in like September. I couldn't tell you exactly what it was, but we had been doing a lot of kind of like tempo, like aerobic style stuff. And then I was like doing these races and I was just kind of feeling like kind of flat in my races and just like not as competitive as I usually feel or like I just didn't have it, which is like very hard to describe, but it's like I just don't have it and we need to find it if I'm going to be competitive. So, um, Mark, like looked at my schedule again, gave me a couple of workouts that were at race pace or at least goal race pace. Mm -hmm. And I went to Germany to see my boyfriend. I was on this track by myself in a foreign country, crushed my workout, came back and it, I felt like a new person. Really? Yeah. It was like such a flip of a switch. I don't know if it was just like a couple, like all I needed was a couple good workouts at race pace to like mm. really get things started. I'm sure like mentally it was also really nice. Cause I just had this like mini break. Cause every now and then you just like 
need a little reset. So I don't know. But it was like after that weekend, I just felt like how I should feel. So for so for those people that like it for me again, um, you know, during a training block, sometimes it's like you get to a point where you're like, I can't but like this this race pace that I'm going for. It feels terribly hard right now. Like, I don't even see how in six weeks I'm supposed to make this happen. Mm -hmm. um, how what would be your your advice to me and others that like have these moments where like the race their goal pace just seems randomly impossible to to fathom for the distance that they're going for right um i would have two different answers depending on how close you are to your race yeah yeah, yeah. if it's if tomorrow yeah it's like you might well if your race is like right around the corner like this month or something mm -hmm. then i would probably like you need to run that pace to like at for the at least for your confidence because you want to feel confident towing the line and like being able to run that pace so if your race is coming up quickly i would suggest doing shorter repetitions like maybe in your plan you really wanted to do some miles or some 800s at that pace but if it's just not feeling right then maybe try 400s you're mm. still getting in miles at those pace you're just breaking it up a little differently and I think muscle memory is huge. As long as you can move your body at that pace and feel relatively okay, it'll go a long way physically and mentally. But if you have the time, like you're two or three months out from your race and your goal race pace just isn't there yet, then maybe take a step back. And like, instead of trying to force race pace on yourself when it's not happening, maybe just step away from it for a couple of weeks, work on other strengths that you can improve and then revisit it. Yeah, that's dope. That's really dope. I mean, I just like the thought of like, cause it's right around the corner. It's like, I've, and it's like, I know I can do this, but I've done it before and I was doing it six weeks ago or whatever mm -hmm. it is. I like that kind of that idea just to back away and say, Oh, well, well, maybe I'll just, if I can hit this 400 or, you know, eight of them or whatever it is mm -hmm. uh, at this goal pace, it, it kind of resets like, Oh, okay. I can, I can move that fast. It's just, right um you know for whatever reason right now because like fatigue is a thing too like if you're if your race is Very in a month <laughs> you should be pretty i mean if you're if your race is a month away or within the month you should be a little tired and ready for that taper so um it's like trust the process but then also like if it's dire like hey switch it up maybe and, and just hit that pace a little bit for yourself mm -hmm. um and so let's talk about um the last two races um what what about those what about each one of those stands out that you just are like super happy about and and going to take into 2023 with you um for the 5k it's one of my favorite events regardless of what else is on my racing schedule i always throw it in there because it's just like such a cool weekend in the city but i was really happy with how i competed it because in years past i've just never been that aggressive as far as I, I like to sit back a lot because I know the second half of that race is really hard and I always have a strong last like K once you get into the park. And that's something I've always done, but I've never pushed so hard at the beginning. I don't know if that's like from like a subconscious fear of just, mm -hmm. you know, going a little too hard and not being able to finish. So this year we just kind of went for it. And I was very happy with how I was able to do that in the beginning, but also how I was able to find another gear at the end because it did come down to like a four-way sprint finish in the last 200 for the last two spots on the podium. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been in a situation like that since like a high school dual meet where yeah. it's like you have four people across, you're 200 meters from the finish, like all of mm -hmm. these points and this money is, well, there wasn't money in high school, but there's like all this money on the line. Yeah, like be careful. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I was really happy with how I was able to finish in that last two. And like, I was talking to my college coach after and I was like, I haven't sprinted like that in a final hundred since high school. And like, that was so fun. And that was the Ab Abbott, right? Abbott Dash. Yeah. And then what was that like, though? Like when you, um, what were you thinking, I guess, in the like the last 50 meters? I was thinking that I worked too hard not to be on the podium. So I like made a very conscious decision. I was like, I've put in too much work mm -hmm. in the first 
4,700 meters of this race to not be on this podium. So like whatever I have to do to ensure my spot, I'm going to do it. And then especially that last hundred, I was like, leave no questions. Like it's not going to be one of those things where we lean and it's a photo finish. Like I want to decisively be on that podium. That's dope. That's dope. What about the, what about the 10 K? Um, the 10 K the one in Boston. Boston. Yep. That was super different because that course is like a course I run. It's not, you know, not a course, but like a route that I run on my easy days. So it was so incredibly familiar, but I never run that fast on it. Mm -hmm. So that was like kind of trippy to be like sprinting across this bridge that I would normally (laughs) be like doing a recovery jog on. Yeah. Um, but that was different because I just had no idea how I was going to feel at the end because that was coming off that time period where I just didn't feel like I had it at the Mm -hmm. close. And ideally I wanted to have a strong first four miles and a great last two. And that's kind of how the race played out. We had a nice group of four and then with about two miles to go, um, the other woman I was like leading with started to push it. And I was like, Oh, like, here we go. And then we pushed into downtown and we got to mile five and I don't know, I just, it felt like I should go for it, Mm -hmm. but it was still like really scary. Like I would say the biggest emotion I felt in that moment was just fear. So I was like, have I made a horrible mistake? Because you're a a mile out. I'm a mile out. I'm going for it. I don't know what pace I'm running. I don't know how close they are behind me, how hard they're closing. Like, being hunted is a terrible feeling but obviously like winning feels better but it's still that entire last mile i was so scared that's the only reason why i haven't won a bunch of races yet just because you know like i don't blame you i don't want to have to deal with that you know like you know i (laughs) (laughs) i just like chasing you know yeah um but yeah so like in so what what does 2023 for you look like um whether it's race wise or just like what do you what are your your main goals and thoughts um yeah 2023 is i think shaping up to be a big one i am anticipating a marathon debut so that's also terrifying but i think it'll be fun it'll definitely be very different so i'm not quite sure like how that schedule is going to play out um we know that the marathon trials are February, 2024. So mm-hmm. just kind of get ready for that, but I got to run the event first. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to do that. Yeah. Um, it seems like, it seems like you've had, you've in your career, you've had really great, you know, um, performances as you've kind of crept up in the mileage too, like, you know, for your events, what about like that new, that new event or that, 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 more miles or like the farthest you've ever raced like what about that like have you seemed like you've in your running career had that you've excelled at or why you've excelled at like these these bigger miles i have no idea um (laughs) (laughs) i think a lot of it for me has to do with the pace of it Mm -hmm. um because i've found that like the pace for like the longer races doesn't seem to bother me and I just like naturally been okay with the distance. Like I was racing 20 Ks and half marathons when my long run is still 14 miles. A couple of times I've run 16 miles, but my long run is about as long as my race, which Mm -hmm. is pretty unusual. If you're actually planning on like racing these things seriously, most people are running significantly more. And I know for the marathon, I'm going to have to run significantly more. So like that's daunting. Um, but I think it just, when I look at it, it just seems like there's a lot more room for improvement in the longer distances as far as what I can add. It's not like I've maxed out all of my training variables and we're just trying to see what happens. It's like there's a lot of things I could do, I think, to be better. You know, like a lot of new territory that, you know, like mm-hmm. there's no there's no scar tissue there to be like to be had. So it's like you yeah. can just kind of have some fun with it. Um, and I've heard you say that, you know, that sports and running is supposed to be fun. Um, and what you like, it doesn't, it's, it's, uh, very, it can be fun while also having like these really big goals and aggressive goals and wanting to PR and and all that. But how do you balance like fun and like this insane drive to, to win? Yeah. Um, I've always been a very competitive person. Um, you can ask my boyfriend, we have gotten to many a fight over like Mario Kart 
because I, mean, I but just that's, I, serious, though. that's like it's so serious. Yeah. I mean, it's not worth breaking up, but like, I mean, you, you got to test. No one likes to lose. You got to test the boundaries of relation relationship. You know, you got to push a little bit. They have been tested. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like. Wait, what was the question? I forgot. Um, how to balance uh, Mario Kart and um and, <laughs> right, and right. You know, fun and, 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 and goals. I think it's really hard for me to even pursue a goal if I'm not enjoying it. So that's always been one of my biggest struggles with running because I didn't choose it when I was little because I loved it. I didn't grow up in like a family that loved running or I was the only person in my family who even like really did track or anything like that. So it's not like I grew up around it or had this like love for it my whole life. It was something I kind of fell into. Mm -hmm. So I've like constantly had to work on my relationship with running because it wasn't born out of love for the sport. It was like a sport I was good at. And as I've gotten older and as like the challenges have gotten bigger and the stakes have gotten higher, I've had to find a reason to enjoy it outside mm -hmm. of just like success because you're not always going to be successful. Um, and so when it's like tough for me, I just like to see what other people are doing, if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. when I watch like the New York city marathon or the Boston marathon, and I see thousands of random people from so many different like backgrounds or like maybe they've been running for a month, maybe they've been running for years and this is their 90th marathon. Like, mm -hmm seeing those people like put on their running shoes and go out and like tackling that and seeing what it means to them, like inspires me to keep trying. Cause I'm like, that's what I want to feel like. Mm -hmm. Yes. What I do is like inherently less fun because it's like so intense, mm -hmm. but that's the kind of like joy I aspire to have at some point <laughs> while I'm running. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm going to keep going until I can feel that even if that means like post competitive retirement, yeah. But I just like to see like what the sport can do for people. And then it makes it a lot easier to just kind of like do my little side bit and mm -hmm. like be super intense for like a few minutes yeah. and then go back and like see what running can do like as a whole for people. And then like, so the pen where I feel like the, pen well, we, everyone's always talking about the pandemic still. I mean, it's like too, kind of still kind of going sort of, but mm -hmm. um but like 2020 was a big year for like a lot of people having to run on their own um, mm -hmm. and people you kind of started to realize like how important those group runs can be. Um, mm -hmm. How have like the how has that changed for you in the last couple of years? Um, and then how important is like your team to you? I mean, because we all don't work run professionally for a team, but you know, we yeah. have like our group runs in the area that really that we lean on. So how has that been important for your career so far? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely benefits to running on your own that I appreciate as far as like, you don't have to worry about pace, you can just I love to run on feel, especially if I'm feeling tired. And when you're running with other people, you kind of have to like, meet in the middle or someone's feeling better, or someone's feeling worse. And like, you're never really going to run exactly what pace you want to run when you're with other people, but you do get the benefit of sharing their energy and sharing you know, whatever they bring to practice that day, the conversation, the connection. So there's definitely benefits to both. And it kind of just depends on like where your head's at and what you need, whether that's mentally or physically, but there's definitely a benefit to both. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, yeah, because I, I feel like I, I, I um, ran a lot when I first started because I started running in 2018, but mm -hmm. I ran a lot alone for like a year or so in that, in that, process and started running with people more in late 2019 but then 2020 came and it's like you know um are we supposed to get together or not yeah. i mean as it went on we were like forget this we're running together we'll just have to try to be safe yeah um but then you just i think i really started to realize like how important th that can be like through like training you know because yeah. training is really tiresome and if you can pick the days where you want to run alone that's cool but like to have to run alone all the time, I just couldn't go back to that. I don't think because yeah. it's just like you said, that energy that that someone else may bring um, to the run can really help you just get through that easy long run, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I just really have come to appreciate, you know, the group. Yeah. I think one really makes you appreciate the other, like running with other people makes you appreciate your like <laughs> solo days. But then yeah, when yeah. you're like on those solo days, you're like, man, I, I like realize what I'm missing. 
Right. Yeah. And I want a choice, you know, like, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I want to be able to choose. Like, I don't exactly. want it to like every day. It was like, well, looks like I'm going to just go out the front door and run by myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, and then I bought a dog so I could run with her and then we never run together. Oh, shame on me. I'm a terrible dog owner. Um, <laughs> but, but um, so what, and, and you, uh, as soon as you came out of, of college, you were immediately an Adidas athlete. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like, how has that been for you? Um, and uh, I've heard from really great things about from other Adidas athletes, but how has that been, how has that played a role into your success in the shoes and the tech and then just the culture of Adidas? Yeah. I mean, I think it's been great. I think I'm a little bit, not unique, but I've only been an Adidas product since oh, really? I was, yeah, yeah, since 2013. That makes sense, yeah. So yeah, I genuinely don't know anything else. Like I first started in Adidas shoes before they even released Boost. So okay. I've seen them from pre-Boost days all the way up to whatever carbon shoe we're on now. And okay. I mean, they've obviously always been good. I've continued to improve and had minor injuries my entire time. Um, as a brand, they're super cool. They're great people. They, I love their messaging and their commitment to the environment and a lot of the like creators and artists that they work with to like amplify different voices. So like as a brand, I absolutely love them. And then as a product, it's changed a lot throughout the years, but it's always been good. So yeah. no complaints there. <laughs> so what's your, what's okay. What's your favorite? Um, as, as you can see, I kind of like shoes a little bit. A little bit. Um, so there's some Adidas over here, right there. Yeah. Okay. Um, what? So what are your favorite? Uh, what's what's your what are your favorite long run shoes that Adidas has? And then what is your favorite your go to like race day shoe right now? Oh, I think my favorite long run shoe right now is a tie between the Boston. I think mm -hmm. around the eleven. Well, 11, yeah, I have the 10. I haven't, I don't have the 11s yet. Yeah, whatever the newest Boston is or the Solar Glide. The newest edition of the Solar Glide is like the most comfortable shoe I've ever put on. Okay. I like didn't love the old version, but I don't know what they changed, but it's like an absolute dream. So okay. I wear that all the time. Um, and then the Boston's always been good. Every edition of the Boston's been good. Okay, got it, got and it. And then for race day, the... Pro 3 mm -hmm. is the newest one, and it definitely took a little bit of time to get used to, but I love it. It's super bouncy. It feels, I mean, it felt great in the half I just ran. So, I mean, I ran well. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess so, that would yeah. be my go to right now. <laughs> that went okay. You know, yeah. Um, so, what, um, so did you, uh, because I have the one and two. Um, did you like the two originally, like more when as soon as you put the threes on, you kind of like, hey, I like the twos better or how that yes. works? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just because yes. they were different. So like it took me like a second to like really commit okay. because it's not like my twos were worn out and I love them so much and they mm -hmm. fit so well. And the three, like it still fit well. And obviously like I've been running well in it and like now I'm used to it. It was just a little bit of There's an adjustment. Difference. Yeah, yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah, because a lot of brands are doing some big jumps between like one iteration to the next. Like yeah. it feels like almost so much different um, because the technology is changing and they're trying to make them lighter and all that good mm -hmm. stuff. So, um, but I'm glad that the three is working for you. I mean, cause it definitely is working. So just stick with yeah. it. It'll, you'll figure <laughs> it out for sure. Um, and one thing you said to, to me that I just kind of wanted to touch on, um, you mentioned that like Adidas is, is really good at, at sharing different voices and something you said earlier that like you don't come from a family of like folks that ran um, it means like no one in your family even ran track uh, cross country or track. Um, and from my background as, as a black dude from from the Detroit area, like running isn't, you know, like track is a thing, obviously, like basketball track, you know, whatever. But cross country and longer distance is just definitely not where you see a lot of black folks at. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then especially not running, especially not running for like mental health or, or yeah. just because as a hobby. Um, but what has your experience been from that side of things? Um, and then where would you like to see running as an industry go in that sense? Yeah, it's, it was something I didn't, I, I don't know if I didn't notice or just like, didn't really care as much when I was younger. I mean, I grew up in the very white neighborhood, went to a very mm -hmm. white school. Like I want to say in my elementary school, I was one of like five out of just over a hundred. 
And then there were like slightly more in my high school, but you know, still yeah. very low percentage. Yeah. And then on my college team, I think there were three, maybe four of us mm -hmm. at any given time. I think right now they have like none, which is fine. It just like yeah. happens that way. But no, I didn't really notice until like post collegiately. I like see all my race photos and I'm like <laughs> yes. the only non-white yeah. person on a start line at yeah. these like U.S. championships unless literally Marielle Hall is there. Yeah. And it's just like, where is everybody? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it, because there were definitely people that like I've met that could, I think could have been good. They just like felt more comfortable. Like they would rather be an okay sprinter. Mm versus like a really good distance runner. Like maybe they weren't that fast, but they like didn't even want to give like distance a try because they just didn't quite feel comfortable in those spaces. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. I mean, obviously you'd like to see a lot more and I love what the BA does here in Boston. They host like the youth cross country championships for the city and you see like hundreds of kids from all different backgrounds and primarily like black and Latino backgrounds running cross country at like age eight and 10. And you're like, if they could continue, if they like loved it enough and felt comfortable enough to keep going, then you would definitely see like a major change. And it definitely starts young. Yeah. I think that that's, re that's really, that's, I mean, I think that's the thing is like um, having um, uh, plat not platforms, but like having races or events that you really can see yourself other than yourself in in the thing mm -hmm. um and i found that really cool that like as you said like BA, baa of of is doing well with that like i mean because if you look at like the marathon if you switch like the the you know the boston marathon it is it's it's kind of back to that same feeling of like where 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 are we like where mm -hmm. is everybody but it it can't you can't just make people want to run the marathon and you can't make people i guess run fast enough to qualify for the boston marathon but what you can do um and what like will change the sport going forward is like having those events where um you know kids seven eight years old can see like see other people that are like them and feel comfortable in that area uh, and in that arena to stay there even if they do track and field and, and basketball or whatever they can always say like, you know, cross country is a place for me because I remember seeing people like me doing it and mm -hmm. not just like East Africans, you know? Right. Um, and the reason why I brought it up too is because seeing you, um, you know, on on a, on a race, you know, winning a race uh, at that high level, it, you know, I don't know you from, you know, from, from I just don't know you, but it's like, right. it's uh, personally, but it's like, I feel like I, I, I felt so proud to see someone that reminded me of someone that looks like me, you know, um, just seeing you in, in that arena and doing well and excelling just means a lot to me. And I'm sure so many other people, um, including younger folks that like say, like, that's not a space for me, you know, mm -hmm. so and then you. you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. But you see the stuff that like the national black marathoners association does. And I, I want to say her name is also Erica. She just joined the sub three. Oh yeah. Uh, Erica, Stanley, Erica Stanley Dotton. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like so sick, but then it also, it doesn't make me sad, but like, it does make me a little sad to see how small that list is. Yeah. It's like 20, because I think it's like 26 or 27 right now. Less than 30. Yeah. But like, I know there are more than 30, black women in America that could absolutely crush the three hour barrier. And you're like, where are they? How do we get them into running and how do we make them like excited? Yeah. It's, I think um, I love that you brought up Erica cause she's a good friend of mine. Um, and I think that like, it's the, it, it is a sad, it, it's sad that in, in kind of hurtful that it is only in history, 26 women that have done this of 26 black American born women that have run sub three in the marathon. Um, but then the fact that they uh, are you you're familiar with Tate Corbett? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, right. Okay, so um, the fact that his son took that and, and took that um, that passion and is sharing it and making sure like that list is known, and then there's people that are really pushing it, like Erica, and spreading the word that this list is not to brag that says like, "Hey, I'm on the list," but it's just right. like to showcase like there's only you know this right. many of us and what's going on and 
and sharing their training and sharing their passion to just keep getting faster. Um, I think that that is, I've seen it like work and, you know, because my friends uh, that run have know Erica now and have seen Erica do her thing. And along with, you know, um, now I'm forgetting all the names. Like I know yeah. four women on the list directly and th th them pushing and showing that there, that it's possibility has, you know, some of my friends like saying like, damn, like I can run a marathon, not just, I can run the marathon sub three, but I can, I can run a marathon. I can run 26.2 right, right. miles. They're and doing like it, it at, somewhere. Yeah. And, and once you run it, you realize like, Oh geez, like I ran whatever that with three hours and whatever change I can maybe train to get faster for that. So I think that list is super important. It is sad that it's, that it's a short list, but I think that having it highlighted in the fact that you know about it and the fact that like people are pushing to get there, I think is a really big deal. Yeah. For sure. I'm excited sure. to see that list get significantly longer in the coming yeah, I mean, years. I think, I don't even know, I don't know what the number was, but this year it's like definitely a big jump. Like in, you know, it did, it's, it's a lot of people have been added this year. Um, mm -hmm. I think 2023 will show to, that will be another huge jump. And I'd love to, I want to be there. Like the, the 50th person that does it, 50th woman that does yeah. it. I want to be like right there, like to, like to just to experience the moment. Be, yeah. Because uh, it's, it's, it's a list that just needs to, needs to grow and grow fast for sure. Mm-hmm. But so I just want to say, number one, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, and then thank you for, you know, it seems like you're 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 carrying the torch and, and being you know very um, intentional about you know getting better, getting faster for yourself and for your family and others. But um, just kind of pushing that envelope in in showing that, you know, we are supposed to be there, you know, and uh, you take great. It seems like you take great pride in that. And I appreciate that for sure. Um, but what's one thing just ran, it could be anything. What's one thing that you'd love to like leave, um, leave people with knowing about you or knowing about running or whatever. I think the one thing I'd love people to know about running. And that's like very important to me and why I do it is that running is like as unique as every individual, everyone's running journey is so incredibly unique the same way every person is so very unique that means everyone is on their own timeline everyone has their own goals everyone has their own reasons and just in my experience and what i've seen and how i feel i think what kind of detracts from like the incredible experience of running is that comparison game or getting caught up in like the glitz and glam and what other people are doing or what so-and-so did on Strava and, oh, we're the same age, but they're running this and that. And it's like, you're all on your own timeline. We are all on our own timeline and we have our own reasons for doing what we do. And if you just like stay locked in on your reasons for why and accept whatever your timeline is, even if it's not exactly what you want it to be, then I think you'll have a much better experience in the sport. That is so well said. I mean, because that's, I mean, because it seems like you learn that as you do it, you know? Um, and even still, like, I randomly will be like, oh man, I wish that's crazy. They only been running for three years and they're faster than I am or whatever it is. It's like that, you, there's a lot of, uh, there's, it's like joy zapping as soon as you start mm -hmm. doing that. Um, or even like if you're comparing yourself because you're better than somebody that was, that's still taking away like the joy and the reason why you're doing it. So I, that, that's, that's deep. I'm definitely going to use that as a soundbite. Thank you so much, Erica, for that, because um, I think that that's excellent. And I think more people in life in general, not just running, but just like comparing yourself to others, you'd have no idea what someone else has gone through or did to get to where they are. So mm -hmm. uh, that's excellent. And I really do appreciate that, but thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, make sure everyone goes to follow you right away. Um, what, what's the next race? Do you have an, an, your next race on the calendar? Uh, I think the next big one on the calendar is the Houston Half Marathon. Oh, dope. Yeah. That's uh, January, right? January 14th down in Houston. So I, everyone get to your TV screens or wherever to watch it because I know it's going to be a great race. Um, and because Houston's pretty fast. I think someone did. So a, I've heard. Someone, <laughs> two people did some records there last year. So um, yeah. can't wait to see what, what happens there for you. Um, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Erica, 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 thank you so much for being on the show. 
Uh, hopefully you listened to this episode and loved every bit of it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Go follow Erica. Check out to see all the cool things that she's doing right now uh, and next year. I can't wait to see what she does um, because it feels like I'm watching someone ascend to the top. And the fact that she is a woman of color is, to me, I'm biased, but it's like the dopest thing in the world to watch happen. So check her out. Make sure you follow her. Make sure you show show some love, show some support. Um, Tune in on that next uh, big race that she does to make sure we're rooting for her and all that good stuff. So please enjoy the show or hopefully you enjoy the show. Make sure you run, eat, sleep, and repeat. Treat each other well. And uh, have those tough conversations because those are the ones in life that make things better. That was random, but that's how I feel right now. Love you guys.